Our scripture passage this evening is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 24. We're going to read verses 12 through 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 26 can be found in your few Bibles on page 1,789. 1,789. So it's Paul preaching, teaching the Corinthians about the resurrection. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be defeated, to be destroyed, is death. It's the reading of God's word. May he bless it to his people. We're also going to be looking at Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 17. In the back of your Psalter handles on page 24. We're going to read the answer together. How does Christ's resurrection benefit us? First, by his resurrection, he has overcome death, so that he might make us share in the righteousness he won for us by his death. Second, by his power, we too are already now resurrected to a new life. Third, Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of our glorious resurrection. That's the teaching of the catechism. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, show us, teach us, imprint upon our hearts and our minds how the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, benefits us. How it is good for us. What it has accomplished for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. There's a story of a Hindu fakir who had matted hair and ash-bespeared body, and he was sitting under a tree in deep meditation. His eyes fell on the leaves of a torn book, which someone had tossed away. It was part of the New Testament. 
You know, it's probably a Gideon's Bible because that's how all Gideon's Bible stories start. You know, find a little scrap of a piece of paper. He smoothed out the crumpled pages and he read words which brought strange comfort to his hungry soul. And so he set out to seek for someone who obeyed the book. And he found an Englishman who confessed he obeyed it. The fakir, delighted, noticed that the Englishman wore a black band on his arm. And he concluded that this was the distinctive sign of a Christian. So he put a black band on his own arm. And when people asked him who he was, he pointed to the band and he told them. Sometime later, the fakir wandered for the first time into a church building. And he listened to a Christian preacher. And at the close, he announced that he too was a follower of this way. And he pointed to the black band on his arm as a proof. They explained to him that it was an English sign of the death of some loved friend. The fakir mused for a moment, then he answered, But I read in the book that my loved one has died, and I shall wear it in memory of him. Before long, he grasped the truth, not only of the death of his dear loved one, but the resurrection. And when he realized that his loved one was alive forevermore, a great joy filled his heart. And he took off that black band from his arm that signified the death of a dear friend. And the light of the resurrection shone in his face as he then went on to witness, not of the dead Savior, but of the resurrected Lord. It can be something that we fall into ourselves, focusing upon the crucifixion, the passion of Christ. Uh, People don't wear empty tombs around their necks. They wear crosses, don't they? And that's something that we need to be on guard against because we don't worship a dead Savior. Our dear loved one is not dead. He is alive forevermore. So tonight we're going to talk about that. The resurrection of Jesus. And our theme this evening whoop, I think I just marked myself with dry erase marker. That's washable, right? Theme this evening is Christ was raised for our benefit. Christ was raised for our benefit, or our good, you could say. And we're going to talk about three things, the three things that the answer in the catechism describes, but hopefully I will help us see a little bit more clearly what it's getting after. So um, what I want us to think of is three things. By his resurrection, we are justified. By his resurrection, we are sanctified. And by his resurrection, we are glorified. So by Christ's being raised, the benefit is our justification, our sanctification, our glorification. So let's look here at that first point, justified. Typically, when we think of our justification, and if you need a reminder, it's our justification is our declaration. 
of not guilty. Being declared not guilty, and a, a, a helpful way to, to say it is justified means just as if I'd never sinned. That's a way to, to uh, help you remember. Justified is just as if I had never sinned. That's God's declaration of us not being guilty. When we think of our justification, we typically think of the crucifixion. Christ's crucifixion is um, what accomplishes our justification because he's being punished on our behalf. Um, but Romans chapter 4 Verse 25 says this of Christ's resurrection. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He was delivered over for our sins and he was raised to life for our justifications. That's Romans 4, 25. So the catechism says, first by his resurrection he has overcome death so that he might make a share in the righteousness he won for us by his death. So we share in Christ's righteousness. We share in Christ. I thought I forgot something. E-O-U. We share in Christ's righteousness by his resurrection. So our declaration of not guilty only happens because Christ didn't stay dead. If Christ had simply died, we would not be justified. And that's exactly what Paul is getting after in 1 Corinthians 15 when he is confronting this false teaching going on in the Corinthian church about there not being a resurrection of the dead. There isn't a resurrection of the dead, these people were saying. And so, he says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we're found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, in fact, the dead are not raised and if the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And he says here in verse 17, And you are still in your sins. That means you're not justified. You have not been declared righteous by God because Christ was not raised. So, there is a justification that we receive by Christ having overcome death. But there's also a justification that Christ receives. This is our justification, right? Declaration of not guilty. But Christ's justification is not a declaration of not guilty because he was not guilty of sin. Christ's justification is what we talked about here. It's a vindication. His being raised from the dead is God's seal of approval upon his work. God's receiving of Christ's atoning work, Christ's salvific work. 
And vindication is a way of putting it, but scripturally speaking, the word justified is used. Think of the way that the word justified is used in the book of James. The book of James says, if you say you have faith, but you do not have works, you're a liar. Because faith alone doesn't justify, and when he's saying doesn't justify, he's saying faith alone doesn't vindicate. The sincerity of your faith. If all you have to prove that you have faith is in your head, it's a moral, it's a mental ascent, then you're not vindicated. The way we are vindicated to our neighbor is by the living out of our faith. And the works that we do in obedience to God and gratitude to what he's Doing. That's not how we're vindicated with God. We're vindicated with God because of what Christ has done. But we are vindicated to our neighbors through our works. And in the same sense, Christ is vindicated to us because his resurrection is God, his Father's seal of approval upon what he has done. Let's talk then about sanctified. Christ was raised for our benefit. His resurrection gives us justification. But let's talk also about sanctification. I want to take a step back here because if I could have... um, renamed my sermon tonight, I would have done it in the same vein as last week's sermon. Last week's sermon was called His Death. Actually, you know what? I'm going to save that for the third point. We'll get to that. Let's start with sanctification. Let's go back to sanctification. The second, it says here in Lord's Day 17, by his power, we too are already now Resurrected to a new life. When the Bible talks about salvation, when it talks about the possession of eternal life, it uses the present tense. That means in some sense we are participating in eternal life now. We are, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, new creatures, new creations. And I think what the Bible is trying to teach us when it talks about this is how we having been born again, born from above, are inwardly being transformed. This is an inward transformation. Our inward lives are resurrected. We have new hearts, new minds, new emotions, new desires. Awakened in us by the Holy Spirit that has been poured out upon us. 
And so justification is our being declared righteous, right? But our sanctification is our growing in Christ-likeness. This is a work of God. This is not of us. This is something that we participate in, but it's not something that we are the only participator in. Growing in Christ's likeness is an application of the eternal life given to us in Jesus. And if I could go to another scripture passage that would talk a little bit more about this, give us a little bit more uh, information, help us to see it a little bit clearly, I would go to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 18 through 20. And I want to read that real quick for you and tell you what I think it's saying. This is Paul praying to the church in Ephesus. And he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So here's his great power. For us who believe, right? And what is this great power? How are we to understand what this great power is? Paul continues. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So when we consider the great power that is for us who believe, the great power that is working in us, the way Paul wants the church in Ephesus to understand that power is, it is the power, it is the same power that God displayed in the raising of Jesus Christ from the dead. So the sermon titled tonight is The Resurrection Life, and when I'm talking about the resurrection life, this is what I'm primarily, principally talking about. The power for us who believe is in the resurrection life we've been granted in Jesus Christ. And that resurrection life is a growing in Christ-likeness. It is an inward transformation of our hearts, our minds, our desires. It is a participating already now in the eternal life that is to come, where the outward will then fall in line with the inward. By Christ's resurrection, we are sanctified. We are walking in new obedience. In the Old Testament, there was a lot of unfaithfulness to God. And when God spoke of the time that was to come, a, a new covenant... He spoke of it in terms of new obedience. And what he said was, the way things were in the Old Testament were that I would command something of you, but you would be incapable of keeping those commands because it was an outward proclamation and not an inward transformation. But God said, when Jesus comes and when this new covenant is made, when it's met and made in, in his blood, 
He's going to take those outward commandments. He's going to write the law, not on stone tablets that come down from Mount Sinai, but on the tablets of our hearts. God would cause us to walk in his ways. Not begrudgingly, not dragging our feet, but because we are not walking in new obedience in order to earn our justification. We have been declared righteous. We are walking in new obedience because that righteousness which has been imputed to us, granted to us, transferred to us in Jesus Christ, is actually transforming us. It's doing its work. It's cleansing us progressively. And maybe a way that we could look at this would be in the same way that Christ came and he touched and he healed lepers, Christ has come and he has touched and he has healed us, but the sickness which he is curing, the disease which he is curing, is the curse and the fallenness that we are stuck with. And he's not going to cure it perfectly. We aren't going to be perfectly made holy. In this life, we're going to continue to struggle with sin. But that does not mean there is not a transformative power of the Christian life. And that transformative power of the Holy Spirit working through us. That great power for us who believe. That is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Heavenly Father is given to us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how Christ's resurrection benefits us. All right, now let's talk about that third point. Glorification. Christ was raised for our benefit. His resurrection grants us our glorification. So if justification is our declaration of righteousness, declaration of not guilty, right? If sanctification is our growing in Christ-likeness, then glorification is... Eternal life in its fullness. Having reached its fulfillment. The Catechism says, thirdly, the way that Christ's resurrection benefits us is that it is a guarantee of our glorious resurrection. It's a guarantee. Of our resurrection. So, Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of our resurrection. This is primarily what Christ, or what Paul is speaking of in 1 Corinthians 15 about the coming day, right? 
Christ has indeed been raised, verse 20, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as an Adam all dies, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be defeated is death. So there is a resurrection life that we are now participating in, but there is a resurrection life to come at the end of the age. It's what we are talking about when we say that we believe that Christ shall come again to judge the living and the dead. That is the resurrection at the end of the age. By his resurrection, we are glorified. We come into the fullness of that resurrection life. A resurrection life that's no longer hindered by sin. No longer hindered by our cursed bodies that are dying and decaying outwardly. Let me go back to the point that I said I was going to make. I called last week's sermon, His Death and Our Death. I could have called this sermon tonight, His Life and Our Life. And if you remember what I said last week concerning death, theologically speaking, biblically speaking, that we have to understand our categories. And I said that there are three kinds of death that are talked about in the scriptures, right? There is a spiritual death. There is a physical death. And there is an eternal death death, right? The spiritual death results in the physical death. The physical death results in the eternal death. These are all connected with each other. So sometimes in the Bible when we talk about death, we're talking about spiritual death. You are dead in sins and trespasses. Sometimes in the Bible when we're talking about death, we're talking about physical death. Those who have fallen asleep. Those who have died. And sometimes in the Bible when we're talking about hell and the eternal punishment that people deserve for their sins, we're talking about eternal death. What I want us to get is that the same is true of life. When we talk about life in the scriptures... We have to distinguish our categories. Sometimes we're talking about spiritual life. Life in the spirit, as Romans 8 says. Sometimes we're simply talking about physical life. And other times we're talking about eternal life. And what I want us to see is that in Christ's death, he overcame our spiritual death, our physical death, and our eternal death. He received all of these so that we didn't have to. But in Christ's resurrection, he gives us Spiritual life, physical life, and eternal life. Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of our glorious resurrection to come. 
in his resurrection, the life that we have spiritually now is seen in its wholeness, in its completeness. His life is our life. That's why the scriptures say, because he is living, we too shall live. Christ was raised for our benefit. His resurrection gives us our justification, being declared righteous. His resurrection gives us sanctification, growing in godliness and holiness progressively. And his resurrection ultimately ends in our glorification, our being made like him in his resurrection and living forever and in resurrection bodies, praising him and the Father. And Christ was raised for our benefit, so next time you think of the crucifixion and the death of our Savior... And what that accomplished for us. My encouragement to you is is don't stop there. Continue forward and think about the resurrection. And the benefit that we receive in our resurrection. How that gives us eternal life now. And the fullness of that eternal life to come. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. you have granted us in Jesus Christ eternal life, resurrection life. And we look forward, Lord, to that day when Jesus hands over the kingdom to you after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. The last enemy to be destroyed being death. We thank you that in the resurrection, death lost its sting. Death lost its victory. We praise you, Lord, that in the death of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we have not only been declared righteous, but we are being made righteous. And that one day, You will glorify us that we may for all eternity glorify you and the lamb that was slain. It's in Jesus' name we pray.